And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we begin each week the best way that we know how by talking about how there is no basketball, unfortunately. Uh, couple quick housekeeping notes off the top here before we bring in our guest today. As always, Mike DeCourcy. Uh, Assembly Call Radio is coming up this Thursday. I know the season was over abruptly, but we'll keep doing Assembly Call Radio throughout the offseason. Uh, this week, we're going to take a composite bracket from Andy, Delphi Bracketology, Galen Clavio, and Mike DeCourcy, the four official bracketologists of the Assembly Call, and we will talk through it as if it is a real bracket. Try to, uh, try to get that bracket slash NCAA tournament fix. Um, and then, you know, just real quick, make sure that you support our friends at Home Field Apparel. They are doing everything right to do right by their employees and trying to follow all the guidelines. And it, I think it's so important at this time to support small businesses like that. So homefieldapparel.com, support those guys. And also, it's really important to support your local food banks. You know, with kids out of school, a lot of kids rely on the meals that they get at school to eat. And when they can't go to school, when things, you know, crazy things happen, like obviously what we're going through right now, food banks a lot of times pick up the slack. And so you can go to foodpantries.org and feedingamerica.org to find your local food pantry and figure out how to donate or provide your support to them. Okay. And now I'm pleased to welcome in, as we do every Monday from the Big Ten Network, the Sporting News and Fox. One of the hardest working men in college basketball, the venerable Mike DeCourcy. And Mike, I don't even really know how to start today. How are you handling a march that is certainly not devoid of madness, but that is conspicuously devoid of basketball? I will tell you that on Saturday, I think it was, that it, it dawned on me. On, on, on the final Saturday of the regular season, the day that Wisconsin and uh, beat IU to win their share of the Big 12 title the day before was uh, Maryland and Michigan State clinched theirs. On that Saturday night, I was scheduled to appear on Fox to talk brackets between the Xavier Butler and Oregon Stanford games on, on, on I believe it was on FS1 at the time. And so I, they, they set up a, a studio for me in Chicago, a, you know, a, a private studio, uh, rentable studio. And I went in there and I sat in the chair for about 45, 50 minutes. And the Xavier game ran super long and it didn't end until almost, I think it was past the 1050 or whatever, whatever the local time was, maybe it was 950. I can't remember, you know, but the 50, you know, it was supposed to end at the bottom of the hour and, and went all the way up past the 50 mark. And so I wound up sitting there without get you know, and the game basically usurped my, my time. And so they went straight from site to site. I don't think they might've come back to the studio briefly to, 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 to set up the next game, the Stanford game. And, um, and that night, so I didn't get on. And then this this subsequent Saturday. So that game in that game, Kamar Baldwin hit a uh, game winning three uh, to beat Xavier and put them in a perilous position for the tournament. And then I was sitting there at home on Saturday, which, of course, I would certainly not have been under ordinary circumstances. And it felt like that Kamar Baldwin shot had happened in 1975. I mean, that week, just it, 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 it like it, it was so distant. That shot was seven days earlier. And I swear to you, it felt like it could have been seven years earlier. It just so, it was such a weird week. Yeah. And. And so much happened. I, I was on. I was in studio on Wednesday night during the IU uh, the IU game against Nebraska, 
and and the Minnesota game, obviously against Northwestern. I was in, I was, and then I flew down back to back to Indy, got in my car, drove over to Banker's Life, walked in, set my stuff up in the press room, expecting they would play with no spectators. Got an email from or Slack message from my bosses saying, "Hey, could you shoot some?" with your, with your iPhone, take some shots of the no crowd before, you know, and I said, okay. And so then I walked out, uh, probably about 20 minutes to ish, 20 minutes to noon. And the Rutgers players were walking back in at the time. And I didn't think anything of it because that's how it works. They, you know, they warm up, they come back, locker room, get last, get last, uh, instructions. And then they, you know, take the court, do a few layups, national anthem, we ball. And the weird thing was, as they were coming off, though, when, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking about it, but they didn't look super fired up. And Jacob Young threw his forearm into a sign or something that was standing there as he walked by. And it didn't look like he was trying to get fired up. And then you got out to the floor and it still took another three, four minutes before I realized that we weren't playing any hoops. And finally, I heard somebody over my shoulder say something about canceling. I'm like, what? And because I hadn't been checking my email at that point, I was getting ready to get set up. And that's when we learned that uh, there would be no games. I was still checking for my press seat on the chart and uh, found out there would be no games. And nothing has been the same since that moment. Now, obviously, everything has, you know, has been like an avalanche downhill. And, you know, I, I know that Rudy Gobert is getting some criticism on some fronts for showing up sick to work, so to speak. But I don't know that we would have gotten to this point in the, in the, in where it is and how serious it is and how serious it needs, seriously it needs to be taken. If it hadn't been for that, I, I, that's my opinion. It just seems like that just shifted the whole tide. You know, people talk about Tom Hanks and he got, he's in Australia, 7,000 miles away. I mean, there are lots of people in China who had it as well, unfortunately, and they're 7,000 miles away. So, Rudy Gobert being an arena, um, you know, that, that brought it home and them having to shut down the NBA or deciding to shut down the NBA season that brought it home. So I think that in a lot of ways that probably was, uh, you know, you know, a moment we needed to have that, especially in hindsight, that definitely seems like the domino that fell and then all the others fell after it. Of course, with the way that things have progressed, even if that hadn't happened, all these decisions probably would have been made a few days later, don't you think? Just with I think probably, but I mean, um, I think that we still might have played hoops uh, in front of empty gyms on Thursday, Friday. I think it's possible that's where we would have gone because they'd already said they were going to do the tournament with no fans. Yeah, it didn't seem like that was problematic, but when the NBA shut it down, you kind of knew that the NHL would follow suit and that the NCAA probably didn't have a choice to, but to stop. I wondered if they could have postponed. I still don't. I mean, we're seeing a lot of very um, pessimistic timelines. And I think that's probably a reasonable approach because under promise and over deliver. I mean, and we hope that that's the way the whole world works. We, 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 we plan for the worst. And then hopefully it turns out better than that that we can go back to our lives sooner than June or whenever, you know, I mean, I've heard the NBA talk, you know, buzz about the NBA not playing until June or baseball not playing in June. Yeah. Now, that's what's going to be. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to be. I mean, you can, you can make 
forecasts. And like I said, they may be unduly pessimistic. There isn't anybody out there that's going to give an optimistic forecast. There's no way they're going to do that. They're not going to be the ones that are on the record as saying, well, we think this will be over in two weeks. No one's going to do that. So maybe, you know, maybe we get back to it sooner than is being said. I wish the, the NCAA had, had postponed uh, at the time just so we could maybe have some hope that, it, that we could get back to it with the understanding that, we, you know, that may have even only been not a 10% chance that we would. I still would have thought that that would have been preferable. And either way, you know, I, I've been pretty consistent on this. Either way, whatever their thoughts were, I didn't think a one-paragraph release covered it. I, I thought, you know, you, I don't know if you saw the Kevin Warren press conference on BTN. We carried it, um, mm-hmm. on air, but I was there. And, and he sat there for 13 minutes and 43 seconds, I think it was. He sat there for that entire time, answered every question that any reporter had that was in the room. Uh, no, you know, it didn't turn down any, any questions. And then when everybody was done, he walked away and we got all our questions. And I thought Mark Emmert, I didn't expect him to stand up in front of a press conference, but you know, the NCAA can do a teleconference like that. They do them with the selection chairs four times, five times, whatever it is would have been easy to do. And, and they sh- he should have been willing and he should have been eager to do that for the amount of money he's paid, which is a lot. Uh, he should have been eager to do that. Well, Mike, some people know how to lead during tough times and others don't. That's something that we are definitely learning through this, uh, through this crisis. Um, boy, this seems like a controversy that was five years ago, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts and forgive me if you address this elsewhere, but going back to that Indiana-Nebraska game, did you have an issue with how Nebraska handled Fred Hoiberg coaching in that game, given everything that had gone on? And I know it said that he was cleared by a doctor to coach, yeah. but obviously that was a big storyline coming out of that game. You know, I don't know, because I don't know what Nebraska saw. You know what I mean? We saw what yeah. we saw once he got on the bench, but I don't know what they saw. I mean, so, it. you know, I'm not sure why he felt as compelled to coach as he did given the circumstance of the team and he clearly wasn't feeling well, I, I know you don't want to abandon your team, but um, I, I, you know, I, I, you're seven to 25, you know, I mean, it's okay. We get it. You know, Jim Calhoun missed a lot of games cause he was ill and no one is happy. You know, the coach hates it when that happens, but um, it's okay. It's okay. Like if you're sick, it's okay. I mean, it doesn't happen to me a lot. I've been fortunate to, to not get ill a lot and miss work. Um, Knock on wood. That's just good fortune. You know, I mean, it's not, you know, anything other than that. But when I got chicken pox in uh, the 1995-96 season, I think it was. Oh, wow. When I was covering Memphis, I got chicken pox. And uh, actually, it might have been. Yeah, I think it was the 96 season. Yeah, because uh, Larry Finch, I was I was in Larry Finch's office uh, on a Friday night, the night before they played Tennessee. I was actually I was in his I wasn't in his office, office, his agent's office. And they were get they were working out the final details of a contract extension. So I break that story and I go home and I've got this itchy back. And I say to my wife, is, is there something wrong with my back? It's covered with chicken pox. And uh so, uh, so they had to test, so to check with all the players, all the Tigers players, because I'd been at their practice and interviewed dudes. 
And I had to check with all of them and see if they were, uh, if the, if any of them had, if every, all of them had had it and only one player hadn't had it. Yeah. Um, and fortunately he never developed it. So, uh, I was not, uh, chicken pox, uh, Michael, uh, you know, as, <laughs> so fortunately I didn't make anybody miss any games and, and, and it, and the cycle ended with me, but, uh, I, you know, I, but I surely didn't show up for work that night. Uh, that's the only night of work I ever missed, uh, in almost 40 year career, but that's, you know, it's just being lucky, you know, uh, yeah. I, if I was sick, I, I wouldn't go. I just love how you mark time in your life based on the athletic event that was most prominent going on Absolutely. right there. Um, hey, are you on board with uh, Indiana fans who say that who are claiming a Big Ten tournament title since Indiana won the last game of the tournament? That's how it works, right? I mean, you know, we don't have much other success, so we're, you know. Cling to what you can. You know, I mean, you got this silliness uh, in Florida where their state legislature, I think, declared Florida State national champ. <laughs> I saw that. Um, hey, look, it was cute with UCF because they were undefeated. But the only thing that AC, the the uh, Florida State can claim is an ACC championship. Yeah, and a lot of people were weirded out by the Florida State trophy ceremony when they canceled the ACC tournament. And what I, I don't think people understand, like they have this whole weird thing in the ACC where there is no such thing as a regular season champion. You know, did you like they don't? Yeah. Titus like, and Tate talk about that on their show a lot. Yeah, you can claim it if you earn it. And, like, if you go to Carolina, if you go to the Dean Dome, they have a whole big banner with all the years they won it. Um, uh, so, it so it does exist, but they don't honor it. They, you don't get a trophy or anything. So when they canceled the tournament, they <laughs> had to make somebody the champion. And so they gave it to FSU. That, I think that's the dumbest thing. Let's recognize the team that was good for a half a week over the team that was good for three months. Like I will tell you this: you should see how much, like you, Jared, like you should see the Twitter battles I've had over <laughs> wasted years of my life over how silly that is. Especially like, like the ACC fans, like they are. It's you know, it's like it's like biblical. You know, it's like it's written into the side of Mount Sinai or something that that's the only champion the ACC has. Yeah, it's dumb. Um, so let me get your thoughts on a couple of the the biggest storylines that have happened over the last few days. Are you, do you endorse the decision that they made not to release the bracket? Yes. Yeah. I uh, Look, it, I understand why people wanted to see it. Uh, Hofstra wanted to see their name on the, on the bracket. Okay, but Hofstra would have been on the bracket. Or Robert Morris. I mean, everybody, like, you couldn't take that away from them. They won their leagues. Hofstra won the Colonial. Robert Morris won the Northeast. Uh, Utah State won the Mountain West. Uh, uh, Belmont won the Ohio Valley. That's that's done. They were in the tournament. That was not going to change. Nothing that could have happened could have changed the fact that they had earned their way into the tournament. Um, but a lot of leagues still hadn't decided. Still hadn't like if, if they had if they let now if they were to go for if they had not canceled, then they would have needed to produce a bracket and they would have had to have a truncated season. It would have been the way it went. And so you'd have to give the automatic bid probably to the regular season champion. Uh, the American Conference designated Cincinnati as their uh, as their uh, automatic bid before they knew the conference turn before they knew the NCAAs was going to go away they designated them as their automatic bid in case the tournament did continue or was postponed rather than canceled. So you would have had to do that if you, if you intended to 
perhaps resume it. Yeah. But since you said cancel, I don't see any reason why you give a raw deal, say, to the team that didn't get the chance to do what Boston U did, which was knock off the number one seed in the Patriot League. Uh, didn't don't like Xavier got eliminated from my bracket and a lot of others by losing on Wednesday night to DePaul. And they didn't deserve to be in at that point. But a lot of people that were in the same general category still hadn't played. Um, I'm trying to think of now, like Richmond hadn't played yet. Like if Richmond went out and lost the next, the, the next night, well, Richmond didn't have a road seat and hall win. And they didn't beat Cincinnati, and they didn't beat you know a handful of other tournament teams. Their 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 resume was largely based on well, they didn't lose to anybody. They didn't lose to you know they didn't lose very many games. But they like I don't think I would have had them ahead of Xavier if they had lost their first game. So I don't think it was fair to those teams that lost their way out just on a basis of uh, an accident of of timing when their tournament began, as opposed to when someone else's did. So I think that the only way to to do it right was to do what the NCAA did. If they were going to play a tournament, okay, you had to make accommodations. You're not going to play the tournament. There's no reason to put a bracket up there uh, that wasn't just. Yeah. As we look forward with this offseason, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't really know what to expect over the next few weeks. AAU tournaments in April have been canceled. It's going to mess up the calendar a little bit. One thing in particular I'm curious to get your thoughts on there was a lot of talk about the transfer rule changing and the one year, you know, that you had to to go and sit out, that was going to go away. Do you think that's still going to happen before next season or is all that stuff going to get tabled now? I never knew if it was going to happen before next season. And it does seem like this would delay that some. They've got a lot of bigger fish to fry now. And they they yeah. have to figure out uh, when they can resume, when, well, I guess more than anything, when football can resume activity. Uh, Will they be able to get on the field in July and August? I sure hope so. I don't want this to continue that long. But what if they can't? So they've got to figure that out. They also have to to do some work to justify their, you know, their salaries or whatever. It's like whether they, you know, if they're working from home like I am or working in an office, well, however they handle it, I mean, they still got to do work. So maybe this still has a moment to get through. I, I I do know I do wonder if they're going to ponder further the suggestion of people like Mike Shashevsky. Uh Dick Vitale has advocated this as well. Uh, Fran Fraschilla, uh considering a additional year of eligibility for seniors who in winter sports, uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling, um, ice hockey. They all lost their their postseasons as a result. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people push back on that. Uh, I don't think, you know, my feeling is, you know, we've had these awful disruptions that are no fun for anybody, literally nobody. Um, and so why not a disruption that's fun for somebody? You know, and I don't know whether anybody take up on uh, the NCAA on that offer. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know whether it would lead to some difficult decisions by coaches. I don't think it would because I think it would include a, um, a uh, a roster expansion, temporary roster expansion to accommodate any seniors that were coming in. Um, I mean, so any, any seniors that were remaining uh, to, in case uh, the freshman class pushed them over. Um, 
you know, you couldn't go beyond, like if you got two seniors and they both stay, doesn't mean you can all of a sudden sign 16 guys or have 16 guys on your roster. You said, cause you said we can have, no, if you had, you know, if you were going to recruit X number of players um, and it, and these guys, and this would push you over, you can have, them. you know, I'd be fine with that. I just don't see any downside to it. I really don't. Uh, I think they're going to have to consider that even if they don't do it. I bet is that they don't because the NCAA in, in it's, it's track record uh, and the memberships track record has always been um, to not, you know, to not sweat that some people are being inconvenienced. You don't want to in- inconvenience the entire apparatus. I don't agree with that approach, but that's what I would expect. But I do think they have to consider it. So then whether or not, and now the one thing I want to say about that, I would not do that for anybody that wanted to leave their team. Like if you want to play another year at Indiana, you play another year at Indiana. You don't go to Indiana State or Wichita or where you're not going. Like if you want the extra year, you're staying where you're where you are. This is where you got the tough deal. This isn't free gravy for you. This is you got a tough deal at this place that you love and you want to try and take another shot at it. I'd be fine with that. But there are no circumstance would I say that you can have the extra year um, because you graduated this, you know, this June. And now you want to be a grad transfer. No, you had your four years of eligibility then. That's that you've had enough. That's the only way I do that. I mean, Mike, Wichita might need that just to field a team next year. They've had, I I, I guess Wichita (laughs) came to mind for reasons, but uh, they've had six guys transfer, like based on the latest recommendations, those six guys couldn't even hang out in the same room. (laughs) They've got so many guys transfer. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. Um, by the way, Devontae uh, Green, Deron Davis, already addressed that. Basically, Deron said they had talked about it, and that's not something that they would take the NSA up on because they want to see what's next. So it's not, you know, it's not like, even though they were obviously devastated to not make the tournament, right. you know, clearly not pining to get that extra year, but I'm sure some other guys would be. So it would definitely be interesting to see how that would play out. You know, obviously right now, coaches and teams expected to be either playing in the NCAA tournament or, you know, at, taking a few weeks off and then there's obviously recruiting stuff in April, you know, at what point if if this continues to go on and things keep getting delayed, like at what point in the calendar would continued delays and things not happening really start to affect college basketball season for next year? Do you think? Well, really? I mean, I I don't think until, you know, schools return to fall. I mean, if the summer gets disrupted, it just affects recruiting a little bit. Guys have to recruit by film more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you, you hear, you heard over the years, a lot of times, Oh, we're just babysitting or whatever. Um, and so you might have some guys that wouldn't get discovered. The old Mike Dom story about how South Dakota state found him. You might have some guys that get missed and all that, but in terms of, affecting college basketball. I don't think losing July if it's necessary. And I don't, again, I hope that's, you know, not the case. Yeah. But if, if you lose July, you know, it just, it just makes it harder to recruit. It doesn't make, it doesn't make it impossible to field a team. This means you, you know, you have to go, there's a zillion different uh, services now that you can go on and scout guys and, and they can send you video links and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, uh, my friends in the scouting business will be fielding a million calls a day. I'm sure their <laughs> lives will be quite entertaining, but it doesn't disrupt the actual business of being a, you know, of being a college basketball team until you're supposed to start preseason practice, really. Cause you can, tra- 
you can run on your own. And if you don't run, you're going to show up and you're going to get beaten out. You know, I mean, they tell you, okay, here's what we want you to do. If you don't have, they don't have to, you don't have to be supervised. We want you to run. And I don't just, just, we want you to, you know, spend an hour lifting. This is the exercise you got to do. We want you to spend, uh, you know, we want you to run five miles a day, whatever it is. And if you don't do those things, you're going to get beaten out. So there's nobody standing there yelling at you, maybe. Or maybe you got to hire a buddy to, or, you know, grab a buddy and say, okay, you yell at me for four hours like my strength coach would. But if you you have to do those things to, to make your team. But what what affects the actual development of the team is whether or not you can get on the court in September. You'll be, as long as no one else, you know, if everybody can't be on the court in the summer, then nobody can be on the court in the summer. It can't just be, well, there's been absolutely zero cases in, I don't know, let's just pick a state, Louisiana. So LSU is going back to school. So their guys can practice, you know, supervised by Will Wade, but you know, the problems in Seattle are, you know, there. So Washington can't practice twice a week with Mike Hopkins. Now that's not going to work. They're going to have to address that. If indeed there are, you know, if indeed there is not a uh, geographic unanimity to the way this is handled. That might've actually been the best state to pick given Ed Orgeron's public service announcement, which was fantastic. So maybe, maybe LSU, maybe LSU, maybe Louisiana actually would be the state that doesn't, that doesn't have that many. And look, you know, we both understand there's like 10,000 concerns more important than how this will affect the college basketball calendar. But that's what we talk about on this show. So right. seems worth addressing. Um, you know, the other big story, you know, riding in on his white horse to give us content to talk about. Rick Pitino is back in college basketball, which I don't know. For some reason, the timing of this is just perfect and inappropriate all at the same time. Um, what are your thoughts on Pitino being back at Iona for anybody who didn't? who didn't see that news, you know, after he was fired by Louisville, actually now technically a resignation, according to the settlement uh, that was reached in uh, court over his suit against them, uh, that was filed subsequent to when they removed him. Uh, I, I was asked a lot of times whether I thought that he would coach again in college. And my answer was always, if he's coaching in college, he's riding the bus. Because I didn't think there would be anybody at the high major level that would hire him. Yeah, and and they, uh, they don't get on many planes in the in the uh, MAC, the two A MAC, the MAC. We always joke. We always <laughs> MAC. Say it a little uh, longer. Stretch it out. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, there's no, you know, he the the longest trip he's got in that league is to is to Canisius uh, in Buffalo. Every other trip is really about two hours or under, and a lot of under. I mean, some of them are half an hour or less. Um, and so, you know, it, that's what, that's what the nature of what he's taken on here is. And it does give him the advantage of living close to some family. And he has an apartment in New York that he's had uh, probably since he was still with the Knicks. He's, he's got an apartment in New York so he can live there. And so it has some geographic advantages. He even mentioned on a radio interview today that it was close to his, to his country club. He belongs to winged foot. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I think I would have left that. Out. <laughs> um, but you know, it, I, I knew that that's what would have to happen. And as, as far as um, as far as him as a uh, you know as this uh, outlaw figure that pe- a lot of people want to paint him, I, I've never really looked at him that way. Uh, I looked at him as a as as a by the end of final if 
final seven years or six years or maybe five at uh, Louisville. I thought he was a terrible manager. I just don't think I, I don't. I think he was an absent boss. I know he spent a lot of time away from campus. Um, I think a lot of people took advantage of that. And, and, and I don't think that he paid close enough attention to who he was hiring or what the people he hired did. And I thought it all, a lot of it got away from him. And, and that, and I think that, you know, I think that was the number one problem that he had. And I can't promise he's going to show up, you know, you know, and, and do the, the old style Patino 12 hour, 14 hour days that he did back when he was at Kentucky. I, I can't promise anything. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know who he's going to hire. Um, I don't know whether those people, I know those people will be told to follow the rules. Uh, I have a lot of friends who coached under him and they tell you that he was very uh, circumspect about those things in those days. He said on the FAN interview today that you can ask anybody from Pro- uh, Boston, U Providence, uh, Kentucky or Louisville, how he ran his program. And, and they'll tell you that he was, you know, that he was a stickler for the rules, but, you know, at the same time, he did say today that, you know, he did finally take responsibility for what happened at Louisville. He said, I should have been fired. That's the first time I've ever heard him acknowledge that. Wow. I, I think he was very angry that he was fired at the time. Uh, I think he was, uh, he was very, uh, uh, taken aback that he was fired at the time. He sued them for $40 million. He did not get any money out of it, but he did get that technicality changed in regards to his departure. And I, I, he finally acknowledged that, uh, you know, he, he, he did say that, uh, that he should have done a better job uh, of, you know, who he hired and, that, and how, how they were uh, carrying out their duties and all that. But he finally took responsibility for what happened not that he's saying now. At the same time, he is. St- he will still say, "I did not do anything." And I, you know, I, I there are parts of it that I'm a hundred percent convinced he didn't know anything about the uh, the stuff in the dorms with the strippers. I'm a hundred percent convinced, and always have been, that he never knew anything about that uh, because it, 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 at its at its base truth, like that's the dumbest recruiting thing in history. <laughs> he's a smart man. He would not have done. He would not have signed off on anything that dumb. Um, like people who followed this for a long time understand the number one rule in recruiting, if you are going to work outside the rules is number one rule. And it's the only rule since you're breaking all the others is keep the circle small. Well, that circle couldn't have been, you know, it couldn't have included more people. Um, so it, it, that he would never have signed off on that. The stuff that happened subsequently, uh, at least according to the, the federal government, the, the stuff that allegedly happened, I guess I should say, um, I, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit less convinced, but I'm not unconvinced. You know, somewhere in the middle on whether all that, you know, whether he had knowledge of all that. He insisted he, he uh, did not. And I don't have any evidence to say that I believe that he did. But, you know, I, I think that it, you're, when you when you bring somebody back into this, like Patino, you're going to get a lot of, you know, snide jokes and things like that. They bore me, to be honest with you. I, I'm not. They, they The jokes about, uh, you know, NCAA calling in three weeks or whatever, they, that, the jokes bore me. I'm not interested. But uh, there, there is still the possibility that uh, the NCAA will have some penalty. He says no. He also said in the FAN interview that 
that he will not get, he does not expect to be punished by the NCAA, but we can't know that. We don't even have a notice of allegations at Louisville to know what they might or will be charged with. Well, we do not condone Rick Pitino jokes on this show, so we will not be telling any of those right now. Um, A couple of Big Ten questions for you. As we kind of look ahead a little bit, what are some of the biggest, because, you know, we're still seeing, you know, players deciding to transfer and eventually, you know, we're, we're going to start talking NBA draft and our guys going to come or go and who knows, you know, how those events are going to affect things. Are guys going to be able to do pre-draft workouts? I mean, there's so much up in the air, but what do you view as the biggest stay or go decisions among Big Ten players? Like Luca Garza, for example, is, a, is an interesting stay or go decisions. Which ones off the top of your head are, are really going to kind of dictate the, the landscape of the Big Ten next year? Well, I think there are a handful of players that we expect to go uh, after this year that had been, you know, I, you know, I'm not pushing anybody out, but I think that it's been pretty well established that Io Desumu would be likely to enter the draft. Um, yeah. You know, Garza would be an obvious one about whether he, you know, cause I mean, Lucas draft stock isn't going to change much. He's he's in the best possible shape he can be. He's had the best possible season he can have, short of team performance and them advancing farther. Um, he, there's you know so at the same time his his you know his stock is not going to get any better, but it's not that high. And so he may just decide you know that we can be special. You know we can we can really be extraordinary next year, and I'd like to be a part of that. And you know the NBA is not exactly calling out for me, so. I might as well just do this for another year and have a good time and try to chase the championship. I mean, he could become a legend with the kind of numbers he might. Oh, absolutely. Out. I mean, absolutely. Uh, so there's a lot there for him. You know, I think Kofi Coburn is one that people will talk about. I don't see why he would go. He's not ready to play in the league. And if he had the same level of accomplishment at a different position with a different skill set, one might say that it would be something to consider. But he's playing at a position now that they're not valuing much, and his particular skill set is not that valuable to them. Uh, so that he might be someone that they would want to see add some more to his game, and he can spend the next five months trying to figure out if he can uh, develop a terrific jump shot, and then his athleticism, and you know, and they can he can work on his footwork, gov- covering pick and roll, and all that, and maybe he could make himself into a first round pick. Uh, but it's it's not. I don't think that would happen now. So I don't see the upside to that. You know, I think I, Jalen Smith is another that I think would you'd put in the Desumu category. He had a fat, fantastic year, and I think most people expect him to depart and be selected in a fairly reasonable time. I would, you know, what I've seen, uh, the projections are not what I would put him at. I would put him much higher than a lot of people have. I don't understand the reticence with him, and maybe the reticence keeps him in. I don't know. Um, I, the, the one thing that's interesting about this is I don't think that there will be any real testing. Like you can put your name in and see whether anybody calls you, but you can get the call, same phone calls, whether you put your name in or not, because they're not going to be more than likely any real pre-draft enterprise. I don't yeah. think there'll be camp. I don't think there'll be individual workouts. We won't know for sure for a while. Um, and I suppose it wouldn't hurt to put your name in in case everything breaks and you can do those things. And then you can always pull out later. But I'm not sure that this is going to be a typical pre-draft process. 
Well, Mike, you are known for your encyclopedic knowledge of sports and especially the Big Ten. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot and test you a little bit. So I found this I found this website called NCA Game Sim because you know we're we're all we're jonesing for basketball. We got to find stuff to do, and so they actually their team database goes all the way back to 2009 2010. And so I had this idea to take the 68 best Big Ten teams of that era put them in a bracket, seed them by efficiency margin, and let's just see what happens. So I did the research today. I haven't done any of this yet. I'm not promising it. This is one of those ideas that fizzle and you know I don't have time to do, but it, it, it did sound fun. And so I did go through and compile the data, which was pretty interesting. So I want to ask you a few questions to see if you can get these. So it's since, since the, tw- the 2009-2010 season. Okay, so okay. It, it covers 10 seasons. Right. Which team or, or which school has the most teams in the bracket basically of the top 68 which one has the most because there is one school on top i i i i think i think i'm gonna i think wisconsin it's wisconsin all 10 wisconsin teams made it all of them even even the one that finished under 500 they yeah in a at the 2016 team they're now they're going to be in a play-in game but I think the 2016 team, yeah, their efficiency margin was like 16.55, I believe, unless I wrote it down wrong. The 2016 team, wait, yeah, the 2016 team, yeah. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Yeah, well, I mean, how about this? Of the, the 2020 season that just completed, 11, uh, yeah, 11 teams, no, I think 12 teams made it because Minnesota made it and Indiana made it. So yeah. Purdue made it. Yeah, they all made it. So, I mean, there are a couple. But the Big Ten was overrated, Jared. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, very overrated. Okay, now here's a question for you. Oh, by the way, so it was Wisconsin with ten, Michigan State with nine, Michigan, Ohio State, and Purdue all had eight. Iowa was six, and then Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota with four that made it. Who are the four number one seeds? Ooh, okay. <laughs> all right, I'm going to say for sure 2015 Wisconsin, and if that's not one of them, I'm stopping. They are. They are number one. They are the top okay. overall seed. All right. Okay. Yep. All right. Now I feel good. But there is one other team that's very close to them, actually. Okay. Very close. And they were uh, by far the two top teams. Okay. Um, I'm going to say. Now, does does this efficiency margin take you all the way through the tournament too? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's not selection Sunday. Okay. Yep. All right. So, um, I'm going to say 2016 Michigan State. They are number two seed. They are two seed. Oh. Yeah, seventh overall. All right. Um, let's think here. Uh, twenty thirteen Indiana. They are the top number two seed. Okay. Yep. Wow, I'm, that surprised me a little bit. I there is a there is a very recent one. A very recent. Okay. One. Uh, twenty nineteen Michigan State. Yes, they are one of the other number one seeds. They are not the other one. That is really close to Wisconsin, though. You got to okay. go back a ways for the other two number one seeds. All right. I'm going to say 2011 Ohio State. Yep. They're the other one right below Wisconsin. The second ah, number one seed. There you go. And the last one, I will say. So did you say the 9-10 season? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. The first one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say 2012 Ohio State made it to that is that is pretty darn good. 
That is pretty darn good because even your misses were the two seeds. To do that off the top of your head with no preparation, that was <laughs> that was that was impressive. Because I, I mean, I was going back looking. That I was like, wow, I forgot how good those teams were back then. But yeah, yeah I mean, so the, the, the famous story I've written it many times about uh, when people talk about how like if you have somebody on the committee that it's an advantage. <laughs> I, I always point out that in 2011. Uh, Ohio State was the number one overall seed in the tournament, got sent to uh, New Jersey to play, and had a Notre, uh, excuse me, North Carolina was its number two. They won the ACC tournament, I believe, uh, or the ACC regular season, one of those two. And then Kentucky was the four seed. They won the SEC tournament. And the chairman of the selection committee that year was none other than Gene Smith, Ohio State Athletic Director. <laughs> One of the one of the really uh, interesting decisions that the committee has made. Yes. So course, la- uh, UK knocked them out. So last question for you, Mike. What on earth are you going to do moving forward? What are you going to write about? Like, what's your what's your plan? Well, I, I, first of all, um, we have a huge piece that I did in advance of the start of the tournament that we were really excited about because we were going to take you back and we're still really excited about the story, but you know, it's, you know, the spirit of the tournament, the, the NCAA tournament, as we know, it was basically invented in 1985. And that was a, uh, that 35 year, this is the 35 year anniversary of the expansion of the tournament to 64 teams. And that really basically launched the tournament to what it is today. And so I went back and I looked through some of the people who participated that I, that, that I know now and still could, you know, they're still basically involved in the game. And I spoke to six or seven of them and just sort of got their memories of what that tournament was like and what their thoughts are on how that impacted the growth of college basketball in the tournament. And so that'll appear, I believe on Thursday. Oh, cool. And that's, well, that's now people have time to read it. Cause yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, that's a cool idea. And then uh, they'd never get back to it because there were going to be like 100 games on. Now, no games. So you have all the time in the world to read the entire piece. Uh, One of the things that I want to do is I want to do a project on games that I missed. Now, I have covered every tournament since 1988. But what people don't always realize is that when you cover the tournament, you miss something. You miss some of the tournament. And so because you're you're at a site, say, yeah. and like you're at the you're at the first round site and there are lots of games going on and you're trying to keep track and you maybe see a last play or last couple of plays, um, but you're not seeing the game. And so I'm going to go back and try to do as many, you know, watch the game on on YouTube and watch them and then sort of like talk about you know, why they were important games and why, and what was cool and what happened and why they, things went the way they did. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. And so I'll do that. And, and I've got some interesting stories to tell in some of those instances about why I wasn't there. Um, and including a really funny story about the 1989 final four, which was the last one I didn't attend. And it's a funny story that, I, that, that I'll, I'll tell when I get to the final four. Um, so there's 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 some inter- some of, there's some really interesting stories about why I missed particular games and and what the impact uh, of those games was. I mean, there was a I lived in Pittsburgh and covered Pitt from 1989 to 1992, 
and probably the most famous game in pit basketball history, or one of the three or four most famous games, or certainly one of the three or four most famous defeats, was a game that they played against Vanderbilt in the second round of the 88 tournament. And they were up three in the final seconds, and allegedly they were told to foul but didn't. And a guy named Barry Goheen hit a three-pointer from the corner for Vandy, put, put, put the game into overtime. And they won the game, even though Will Perdue, who was their big star, had fouled out. And that, you know, Barry Goheen, you walk around Pittsburgh and say the words Barry Goheen, there's still people that like, you know, punch in the nose. Um, and I, you know, so I think there have been stories written about how he knows he's like uh, persona non grata in the city of Pittsburgh for that yeah. shot. So I, I, that's a game I missed in its entirety because I was in Hartford covering Temple or somebody like that in the second round. I wasn't yeah. covering, covering Duquesne then, so I. Uh, so they they clearly were not involved. So I went to a different site and covered that. So, um, you know, it's it, there, there are lots of stories like that that I'll tell. And, and then we'll we'll get to our preseason top 25, although I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of jumping too soon in that. I'd like to get some some resolution on whether or not um, they might allow seniors to return. Yeah, because that really, you know, we, we you can sort of project who might leave. But you, you can't project whether they're going to do that and therefore who might stay. So, um, but that's something we'll do as well. And well, I, what mostly what I'll do, Jared, is miss basketball. I mean, yeah, I, it's this, this time of year is so special. And, you know, I work every day and I'm not, look, I'm not complaining and I'm just explaining. I work every day from basically after Christmas until uh, April 5th or 6th or whatever. And of course, this year it stopped on March ninth or 10th, 12th, whatever it was. But I work every single day during that period of time. And what keeps you going is the adrenaline from being a part of that. Yeah. It, it is absolutely magical. I mean, I, I will, I will never, ever, I will never complain about doing it. And I will never, ever, um, I'll never not appreciate it. Yeah. And, and I, I will tell you that I got really emotional after I finished my story about the cancellation of the tournament um, on Thursday, you know, when you're writing you're, and working, you, you know, you're focused and you're doing your job. And when I got done, I got really emotional because I mean, who knows how many more of these I get to cover, you know, and I, and I, and, and it's not just about me. I, I you know, I talked to Mick Cronin from, from UCLA that day. And he said, look, you know, you're, I'm going to coach it again. You're going to cover it again. But these guys, you know, this was it, you know, the seniors, they may never get to play in it again or, or in some cases never get to play in it yeah. uh, this was their shot and i and i feel for every one of them and when i watch the videos that are coming up now that are really cool the each school doing its own one shining moment yeah um they're really cool and i feel so badly for those guys i really do and i and i apologize for getting emotional about something like this because i know there's more important stuff but this this stuff means a lot to a lot of people and it, you know, it, it's been a big part of my life for most, uh, pretty much my entire life. And I know there's more important stuff. I'm the last writer ever to ever think that this stuff is important. You know, when I, when I was in Pittsburgh, working at the Pittsburgh press, I used to say, I used to get angry if we put sports on A1, because I understand sports is place in life. I understand it's entertainment, but, the, but it, it means something, the participation of it and the, and the, and the uh, appreciation of it means something to the people who do. And, and I feel bad for everybody that's, that's missing out on that this year. 
Mike, this is a we appreciate your candor. This is a safe space for emotions about basketball. That is for sure because we we have certainly had ours. You know, the, the great irony to me of the tournament getting canceled this year with everything that is going on, and obviously we understand why it had to be canceled and all of that. But at a time when so many people are going to feel isolated, but also have time to watch, nothing would have brought people together and made them feel connected. At least you know, in our corner of the world than having the NCAA tournament to connect on. And it's been, you know, interesting and heartening to see all the different ways that people are still trying to do it anyway. You know, whether it's with the one shining moment videos or making up ridiculous brackets or whatever, just trying to find that way to like, hey, let's let's try to scratch this itch somehow, but do it together. You know, and that's why when March and basketball are at their best and they actually mean something more than the games, you know, but to your point, for all the guys who aren't going to get a chance to play, it's, I mean, it is heartbreaking, you know, because the only get, the players only get so many opportunities to do this. We'll be able to keep watching it, but, you know, who knows what they would have been able to do with that chance and they didn't get it. And that's, that's disappointing for them. I feel bad for all the Hoosiers uh, who would have been in. Um, I know I'm convinced that they would have been in, uh, just no doubt about it. And, and they had earned that and they, you know, it was not the exact season they imagined, but it was a better season than many appreciate it to be. But one thing about those one shining moment videos is, you know, is it drives home that as wonderful as March is, and there's nothing quite as wonderful as it is. November, December, January, February are really cool too. Yeah. And, you know, those of us who appreciate that understand it, but maybe this will help reach more people and make them understand that, if you want to get on board a little earlier, you're welcome. Absolutely. Well, that is a good note to end on, Mike. Really appreciate your time. And uh, I guess we'll just play it by ear. If, you know, if we want to keep doing this, there'll always be always be things to talk about. And we got time. So. Yes. Uh, you know, I can't turn you down based on time. I mean, I got plenty of time. So any you want to do it, I'm I'm up for it. Okay. Well, let's uh, we'll play it by ear and we'll just connect over the weeks and and see if it makes sense to do it. But, you know, whether we do it or not, we really, really appreciate your insight, you know, the time that you've spent with us this week. I know I get so many comments throughout the week about how much people, you know, like these segments and, you know, look forward to them. So we really appreciate the time and just all the insight that you bring because it, it well, really adds a lot to, to what we do. I enjoy, I enjoy connecting with you. You're wonderful. And, and uh, you know, I, I love basketball fans of, of all colors, you know, whether it's uh, black and gold or crimson and cream or, uh, whatever color it is, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I love connecting with them and, and, uh, my Twitter is always open for anybody that wants to talk. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Mike. Stay safe, stay healthy. And, uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Jared. Mm-hmm. All right. The great Mike DeCourcy on with us talking basketball, man, it is still, it's still so weird not having, not having basketball this March, but good to talk with Mike and get his perspective about everything. Um, so yeah, moving forward, we're going to do, we'll have assembly call radio on Thursday. We're going to start doing some rewatches of IU games. We're kind of figuring out the calendar. We'll probably do a game. We'll probably do one Friday night and Sunday night. And then the next week, Friday and Sunday, we're going to kind of make it like, you know, like the NCAA tournament schedule. Um, but we're kind of finalizing those games. We'll probably do a round, uh, a first round game, a round of 32 game, a sweet 16 game. And it may not be the obvious ones that you think we would pick. But we're going to try and do some unique ones that maybe haven't been talked about a ton. Um, we're just we're finalizing some of that, so I'll make an announcement once we have that ready to go. Uh, basically, we'll do live rewatches of games, so it's like we'll you know hit play on the game all at the same time. We can tweet about it, and then we'll hop on for a post game show when it's over. Um, 
So that should be fun. You know, like I said, Assembly Call Radio Thursday night. We're going to take that bracket and break it down and talk about it. We're just going to find ways to try to, you know, creative ways to have fun talking about basketball because, you know, that's what we all know how to do this month. And it's very weird to not be able to do it. And we've got time. So whatever we can do to just give each other something to connect over and have fun talking about. So if you have ideas, by the way, let me know. Shoot me an email, jared at assemblycall.com. Uh, send us a tweet at assembly call if there's I mean eventually we'll get into our normal off-season content but I'm not you know I don't want to start doing player breakdowns and doing all that stuff now you know so we'll try and find some other fun stuff that we can do um, so let me know if you have ideas um, and again support homefieldapparel.com support your local food banks um, support Buffaloes by the way Buffaloes really stepping it up I don't know if you saw that um, but they are basically doing a, a service where Kids of MCCSC, uh, Monroe County Community Schools, um, who, you know, obviously they're not in session. If they need food, Buffaloes is actually going to deliver it to them. I mean, just it's really, you know, in times like these, you really you learn a lot about people and businesses and what they do. You know, do they try to, you know, really squeeze it or are they, you know, and, and you know, every business has a different situation. So you don't necessarily want to judge without knowing the context. But man, when you see businesses go above and beyond for their employees, for the community, just it makes you feel good. It makes you want to support them. And that's just, you know, that's the time. We're all in this together. Let's uh, let's get through it together. And eventually there'll be basketball on the other side of it. So appreciate you guys being here today. Appreciate you listening to us all season long. We will talk to you Thursday night on Assembly Call Radio. See you then. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.